Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a special four-part series that I recorded last week in London with Jonathan Armstrong from Quarterly Compliance. This is the Live from London series. In this series, I take a look at how customers are now a compliance risk, or at least potentially one, the state of compliance in 2019, the Cognizant Technologies, FCPA declination, and how regime change may lead to corruption and bribery investigations. These podcasts are short, five to seven minutes each, but it gives you a highlight and flavor of each one of these issues. In this part three, I take a look at the Cognizant Technologies declination from the Department of Justice and what it may mean for the compliance practitioner under the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy going forward. This is Jonathan Armstrong from Cordry, the specialist compliance lawyers. I'm pleased to say that Tom Fox is with us here in London. We've been discussing a few things this morning. One of them is the new Cognizant case, a Cognizant, one of the darlings of the outsourcing world in some respects, but they've been in trouble recently. What's that case about, Tom? So Jonathan, first of all, thank you uh, for having me here again. The Cognizant Technologies FCPA enforcement action was released last week. And it's extraordinarily significant for a couple of reasons. One was uh, the company, the bribery scheme literally involved everyone in the C-suite, uh, the GC, the CFO, uh, the CEO, and others in the executive room. So that's very unusual. Uh, that led to, though, uh, the most unusual part, which was Cognizant received declination from the Department of Justice on criminal penalties. Uh, this was under the FCPA corporate enforcement policy, which requires four things for a declination to be granted. Number one, company self-disclose the enforce uh, infraction. Number two, engage in extensive remediation during the pendency of the investigation. Number three, engage in uh, extraordinary cooperation with the Department of Justice. And number four, pay back any ill-gotten gain or profit disgorgement. Um, however, this uh, presumption for declination, if you meet those four steps, can be overcome if there's, quote, aggravating circumstances, end quote, which include the involvement of senior management. So here we clearly had senior management. So many people were not, uh, it was not immediately apparent how the company sustained a declination or got such a great penalty. The total fine and penalty was $25 million paid to the Securities and Exchange Commission. There were two points in the Department of Justice's declination letter that stood out. Number one, the board of directors self-reported to the Department of Justice within two weeks of being informed of the bribery scheme. And number two, the company had an effective pre-existing compliance program. Start with number one, the board of directors reporting. Anyone who's worked in a corporation knows that two weeks is literally the bat of an eye in the life of a corporation. To get a board of directors to do anything, let alone uh, make a decision that senior management is engaged in bribery and corruption, wall off that senior management from the decision-making and investigative finding process, and then turn that information over to the Department of Justice uh, is extraordinary. And that was noted in the declination. The second thing was an effective compliance program. In a prior episode, we talked about one of the trends that the Department of Justice has really led its uh, thinking and uh, public comment around is companies having an effective compliance. And even though we had C-suite involvement, the Department of Justice still gave the company credit for an effective pre-existing compliance program. 
This was, has not been in any prior FCPA enforcement action. So this is, I think, not only very significant, but also welcome news for the compliance practitioner because you can now point to, one, having a direct reporting line to a board of directors is critical, and two, equally as critical as having an effective compliance program. So when a company asks what's the benefits of having a compliance program, we now have it in a declination. We also have why a chief compliance officer needs to be able to report directly to the board and interact directly with the board, not going through a general counsel or a CEO. That reporting line of authority, really that reporting line is absolutely critical. So the case is unusual for a for a few reasons and depressingly familiar for others, but it concerns bribery in India. And and effectively, it's about the building of a new facility, which is delayed as often happens in that part of the world with approvals from various local government officials. And somebody comes up with a scheme to get those approvals quicker. And we should say that we uh, should be slightly cautious in that there are ongoing criminal proceedings against the general counsel, the head of legal in in, in this case, because of uh, his involvement in that scheme and making those funds available for the contractor to pass on um, to the official. But do you think this is going to be a trend that we're going to see? Is it a trend that's here already that companies are surrendering to the US authorities in exchange for exposing individuals to criminal prosecution. So the Yates memo came out in September of 2015, which specified that if a company wanted any credit, they had to turn over all information on culpable individuals uh, or all culpable individuals. That was really the start. This is uh, enforcement action is certainly an outgrowth of that. In November 2018, the Department of Justice modified the Yates memo slightly to say that a company now needed to turn over information of all substantially involved in the bribery scheme and corruption. So uh, the companies have been mandated by the Department of Justice now for over three years to turn over information on individuals who were engaged in the bribery scheme. It is extraordinarily unusual to have this level, high-level involvement the C-suite involved in a multi-billion, from a multi-billion dollar company. Nevertheless, the board of directors uh, did recognize their duty and did almost immediately, but certainly within two weeks, turn over that information to the Department of Justice. And, and that's reflected in the result, and some would say $25 million-ish is, a, is a, a, a settlement on the low end because of that rapid cooperation. That, that's certainly one of the factors for the rapid cooperation, I would caution you that we do not know at this point what the pre-settlement investigative and remediation costs were, and those are typically two to six times or perhaps even two to ten times the total fine and penalty. So I'm sure the company had a very large outlay of money, not limited to $25 million, but in terms of a fine and penalty, uh, I would say it's extraordinary. That's fascinating stuff, uh, Tom. Thanks for sharing that with us. We'll obviously, as Tom alluded to, have a couple uh, of additional videos in this series. You can watch them on our YouTube channel. Thank you, Tom, and thank you all for watching. Always a pleasure, Jonathan. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this short podcast on 
the increasing risk of customers around bribery and corruption, and hope you'll join us again for another episode of this special bonus presentation of the FCPA Compliance Report live from London. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.